and welcome to Seeking the Gospel Truth. I'm Giselle Aguiar. You know, the more I study the Bible, the more I realize that every single book from Genesis to Revelation all point to Jesus. In the Old Testament, Jesus is predicted. In the New Testament, he is revealed, preached, explained, and expected. You find him everywhere because Jesus is the hero of the entire Bible. I've covered most of the New Testament, and you can find those studies on my blog. This next series is a hunt for Jesus in the Old Testament. It's how God's story becomes our story when we invite him into our lives. It will help us get to know God better, more intimately. And that's what he wants. He wants a relationship with us. Yes, you and me. I pray that as you hear this message, it will inspire you to study the Bible daily for yourself. Seek the truth. I pray that God opens your heart, eyes, and mind to study what his spirit is trying to tell you. And as you become rooted in the word, you'll also be rooted in hope, joy, and peace. Let's dig in. Judges part seven. Depraved indifference makes for a spiritual and moral collapse. The downward spiral of the Israelites finally leads to total collapse. Lawlessness prevailed all over the promised land. The repeated phrase changes from the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight to Israel had no king. All the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. Gee, that sounds like the world today. There was no strong God-fearing leadership that eventually causes a spiritual and moral collapse of society. I wasn't going to read chapter 19. I was going to skip it and let you read it on your own, but, but I'm going to read it. I have to. It shows that what's happening now in the world happened thousands of years ago. Nothing changes when the world is ruled by Satan's evil. Bad stuff just happens over and over again. Thank God that there will soon be an end to all this depravity. Let's dig in, but I warn you, chapter 19 is PG-13. Judges 17, Micah and his idol. There was a man named Micah who lived in the hill country of Ephraim. One day he said to his mother, I heard you place a curse on the person who stole 1,100 pieces of silver from you. Well, I have the money. I was the one who took it. That's it. The Lord bless you for admitting it, his mother replied. He returned the money to her and she says, I now dedicate these silver coins to the Lord. In honor of my son, I will have an image carved and an idol cast. You know, she was okay with just the first part of that. I now dedicate these silver coins to the Lord. She would just take them over to the temple. They would have been fine. But nope. Okay, had to have an idol. So when he returned the money to his mother, she took 200 silver coins and gave them to a silversmith who made them into an image and an idol. And these were placed in Micah's house. Micah set up a shrine for the idol and he made a sacred ephod and some household idols. Then he installed one of his sons as his personal priest. In those days, Israel had no king. All the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. One day, a young Levite who had been living in Bethlehem in Judah arrived in the area. He had left Bethlehem in search of another place to live. And as he traveled, he came to the hill country of Ephraim. He happened to stop at Micah's house as he was traveling through. Where are you from, Micah? asked him. He replied, I am a Levite from Bethlehem in Judah, and I'm looking for a place to live. 
Stay here with me, Micah said, and you can be a father and priest to me. I will give you 10 pieces of silver a year, plus a change of clothes and your food. The Levite agreed to this, and the young man became like one of Micah's sons. So Micah installed the Levite as his personal priest. He lived in Micah's house. I know the Lord will bless me now, Micah said, because I have a Levite serving as my priest. What's wrong with this picture? Well, God said, you must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. That's the second of the 10 commandments in case you don't recognize it. It's found in Exodus 20. And you know, this also includes the worship of Mary and the saints, by the way. The Levites were the priestly tribe. They were all supposed to serve God and God alone. This Levite was a priest in service of pagan idolatry. People were to worship God at the tabernacle in Shiloh, nowhere else. Isn't it nice that we can worship God wherever we are because we have him living inside our hearts? At least I do. And born again Christians too. Do you? Let's go on. Judges 18, idolatry in the tribe of Dan. Now in those days, Israel had no king and the tribe of Dan was trying to find a place where they could settle for they had not yet moved into the land assigned to them when the land was divided among the tribes of Israel. So the men of Dan chose from their clans five capable warriors from the towns of Zorah and Eshtol to scout out a land for them to settle in. When these warriors arrived in the hill country of Ephraim, they came to Micah's house and spent the night there. While at Micah's house, they recognized the young Levite's accent. So they went over and asked him, who brought you here? And what are you doing in this place? Why are you here? He told them about his agreement with Micah and that he had been hired as Micah's personal priest. Then they said, ask God whether or not our journey will be successful. Go in peace, the priest replied, for the Lord is watching over your journey. So the five men went on to the town of Laish, where they noticed the people living carefree lives like the Sidonians. They were peaceful and secure. The people were also wealthy because their land was very fertile. And they lived a great distance from Sidon and had no allies nearby. When the men returned to Zorah and Eshtol, their relatives asked them, what did you find? The men replied, come on, let's attack them. We have seen the land and it is very good. What are you waiting for? Don't hesitate to go and take possession of it. When you get there, you will find the people living carefree lives. God has given us a spacious and fertile land, lacking in nothing. So 600 men from the tribe of Dan, armed with weapons of war, set out from Zorah and Eshtel. They camped at a place west of Kiriah-Jerim in Judah which is called uh, Mane Dan to this day. Then they went on from there into the hill country of Ephraim and came to the house of Micah. The five men who had scouted out the land around Laish explained to the others, these buildings contain a sacred ephod as well as some household idols, a carved image and a cast idol. What do you think you should do? Then the five men turned off the road and went over to Micah's house where the young Levite lived and greeted him kindly. 
As the 600 armed warriors from the tribe of Dan stood at the entrance of the gate, the five scouts entered the shrine and removed the carved image, the sacred ephod, the household idols, and the cast idol. Meanwhile, the priest was standing at the gate with the 600 armed warriors. When the priest saw the men carrying all the sacred objects out of Micah's shrine, he said, what are you doing? Be quiet and come with us. Be a father and priest to all of us. Isn't it better to be a priest for an entire tribe and a clan of Israel than for the household of just one man? The young priest was quite happy to go with them. So he took along the sacred ephod, the household idols, and the carved image. They turned and started on their way again, placing their children, livestock, and possessions in front of them. When the people from the tribe of Dan were quite a distance from Micah's house, the people who lived near Micah came chasing after them. They were shouting as they caught up with them. The men of Dan turned around and said to Micah, what's the matter? Why have you called these men together and chased after us? What do you mean, what's the matter? You've taken away all the gods I made and my priests. I have nothing left. The men of Dan said, watch what you say. They, uh, there are some short-tempered men around here who might get angry and kill you and your family. So the men of Dan continued on their way. When Micah saw that there were too many of them for him to attack, he turned around and went home. Then with Micah's idols and his priests and his priest, the men of Dan came to the town of Laish, whose people were peaceful and secure. See, no one's ever totally secure. They attacked with swords and burned the town down. There was no one to rescue the people, for they lived a great distance from Sidon and had no allies nearby. This happened in the valley near Beth Rehob. Then the people of the tribe of Dan rebuilt the town and lived there. They named the town Dan after their ancestor, Israel's son, but it had originally been named Laish. Then they set up the carved image and they appointed Jonathan, son of Gershom, son of, son of Moses, as their priest. This family continued as priests for the tribe of Dan until the exile. So Micah's carved image was worshipped by the tribe of Dan as long as the tabernacle of God remained at Shiloh. So Micah's stolen idol now is worshipped by the whole tribe. I can imagine God's anger. Okay, fair warning on this next chapter. Judges 19, the Levite and his concubine. Right there, the title should give you a hint where this is going. In case you didn't know, a concubine is the second woman in a man's life, or, or third or fourth, depending how many he has, besides his wife. Yes, polygamy or adultery, whichever you want to call it. And a priestly Levite, no less. It's priestly, quote unquote. All right, here we go. Now, in those days, Israel had no king. Problem. There was a man from the tribe of Levi living in a remote area of the hill country of Ephraim. One day he brought home a woman from Bethlehem in Judah to be his concubine. But she became angry with him and returned to her father's home in Bethlehem. After about four months, her husband set out for Bethlehem to speak personally to her and persuade her to come back. She took with him a servant and a pair of donkeys. When he arrived at her father's house, her father saw him and welcomed him. Her father urged him to stay a while, so he stayed three days, eating, drinking, and sleeping there. On the fourth day, the man was up early and ready to leave, but the woman's father said to his son-in-law, have something to eat before you go. So the two men sat down together and had something to eat and drink. When the woman's father said, please stay another night and enjoy yourself, the man got up to leave, but his father-in-law kept urging him to stay, so he finally gave in and stayed the night. 
On the morning of the fifth day, he was up early again, ready to leave. And again, the woman's father said, have something to eat. Then you can leave later this afternoon. So they had another day of feasting. Later, as the man and his concubine and servant were preparing to leave, his father-in-law said, look, it's almost evening. Stay the night and enjoy yourself. Tomorrow you can get up early and be on your way. I mean, you keep going like this. They won't leave at all. But this time the man was determined to leave. So he took his two saddled donkeys and his concubine and headed in the direction of Jebus, that is Jerusalem. It was late in the day when they neared Jebus and the man's servant said to him, let's stop at this Jebusite's town and spend the night there. No, his master said, we can't stay in this foreign town where there are no Israelites. Instead, we will go to Gibeah. Come now, let's try and get as far as Gibeah or Ramah and we'll spend the night in one of those towns. So they went on. The sun was setting as they came to Gibeah, a town in the land of Benjamin. So they stopped there to spend the night. They rested in the town square, but no one took them in for the night. That evening, an old man came home from his work in the fields. He was from the hill country of Ephraim, but he was living in Gibeah, where the people were from the tribe of Benjamin. When he saw the travelers sitting in the town square, he asked them where they were from and where they were going. We have been in Bethlehem in Judah, the man replied. We are on our way to a remote area in the hill country of Ephraim, which is my home. I traveled to Bethlehem and now I'm returning home, but no one has taken us in for the night. Even though we have everything we need, we have straw and feed for our donkeys and plenty of bread and wine for ourselves. You are welcome to stay with me, the old man said. I will give you anything you might need, but whatever you do, don't spend the night in the square. I wonder why he said that. So he took them home with him and fed the donkeys. After they washed their feet, they ate and drank together. While they were enjoying themselves, a crowd of troublemakers from the town surrounded the house. They began beating at the door and shouting to the old man, bring up the man who is staying with you so we can have sex with him. Yeah, you heard that right. The old man stepped outside to talk to them. No, my brothers, don't do such an evil thing for this man is a guest in my house and such a thing would be shameful. Here, take my virgin daughter and this man's concubine. I will bring them out to you and you can abuse them and do whatever you like, but don't do such a sable thing to this man. So it was okay to take and rape the virgin and the concubine, but it was not okay to have homosexual sex. Okay, I'm not talking about this anymore, all right. But they wouldn't listen to him. So the Levite took hold of his concubine and pushed her out the door. So the man takes his concubine and shoves her out the door. The men of the town abused her all night taking turns with her until the morning. Finally, at dawn, they let her go. At daybreak, the woman returned to the house where her husband was staying. She collapsed at the door of the house and lay there until it was light. When her husband opened the door to leave, there lay his concubine with her hands on the threshold. He said, get up, let's go, but there was no answer. So he put her body on his donkey and took her home. When he got home, he took a knife and cut his concubine's body into 12 pieces. Then he sent one piece to each tribe throughout all the territory of Israel. Everyone who saw it says such a horrible crime has not been committed in all the time since Israel left Egypt. Think about it. 
What are we going to do? Who's going to speak up? Well, the story will continue in the next two chapters. And yeah, you can imagine what's going to happen. But horrible is an understatement. As in the days of Lot, Jesus told us that the last days would be like the days of Lot. And Lot lived in Sodom. Enough said there. Spiritual and moral collapse. The word collapse is still trending on Twitter in the aftermath of the Champlain Tower South Condominium collapse in Surfside, Florida. And I wrote an article about that um, a few days ago and um, about the frailty of life. That unfortunately is a perfect example of what happens when you don't have a solid foundation. First, Miami Beach and the Barrier Islands were once swampy mangroves. Greedy developers filled it in so they could build on it. That started way back in the early 1900s. Since that landfill is not natural and the constant hammering of the sea storms hitting and even passing by, uh, and even passing by causing storm surge and high surf, you have a recipe for, that, for disaster. The sea air itself degrades concrete and metal. Put on top of that sinking landfill, um, put on top of that sinking landfill, High rise after high rise after high rise. If that foundation isn't solid, it will degrade. If it's not built up or fixed somehow, it will eventually collapse, ruining the lives of everyone in the area. Our cultures coming collapse. That, my friend, is where our culture is heading. The depravity of sexual immorality next to the devaluing of human life with abortion on demand is putting us in a downward spiral. Just like the Israelites, as we'll see in the last chapters of the book of Judges, it doesn't end well. Just like a building that is built on sinking sand and slowly deteriorates for lack of care, our society is collapsing spiritually and morally day by day. Paul warned us, as he warned Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, starting at verse 1. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times, for people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred, including human life. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others. I mean, the insults on Twitter is crazy and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious but they will reject the power that can make them godly. Stay away from people like that. We should ask God to be our guide, not to bless our every move. Like Paul wrote in, in Galatians 5, starting in verse 16. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, 
wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these. Friend, Jesus is our solid ground. Stand on him, not anything of this world. Stamp out sin and idolatry. And idolatry. I want to pray right now. Oh, loving Father, please open the eyes of Roman Catholics everywhere so that they can see the idolatry surrounding them. Stir the souls, stir, stir their souls to run from that false religion. Lead them to the truth of the true salvation of Jesus Christ, the true gospel. Open their hearts to accept you, Jesus, right now. And it's in your mighty name I pray. Amen. And Jesus told us in Luke 17, Starting in verse 26, when the Son of Man returns, that's Jesus, by the way, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days, the people enjoyed banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat and the flood came and destroyed them all. And the world will be like it was in the days of Lot. People went about their daily business, eating and drinking, buying and selling, farming and building, until the morning Lot left Sodom, then fire and burning sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. Yes, it will be business as usual right up to the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Friend, you don't really want to be left behind. It's time to get right with God. What are you waiting for? Invite Jesus into your heart and receive the gift and confident hope of eternal life. If you don't know what to say, if you don't know what to do, there's a prayer in the show notes. Or you can click on over to my blog and click where it says how to invite Jesus into your heart. And in the bottom of my blog, I embedded a very appropriate um, music video on Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Soli Deo Gloria. To God alone be the glory. Thank you for listening to this episode. I pray that the Holy Spirit, the author of scripture, touched your heart to reveal the gospel truth that our hope of salvation is through Jesus Christ alone. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to reach out to me via my website or social media. I encourage you to read the Bible daily and seek the truth for yourself. I recommend that you download two free Bible study apps, the YouVersion Bible app and Through the Word. Friends, we are living in strange, crazy times, the last days, the end times. But know that things aren't falling apart, they are falling into place. Jesus said in Revelation 3, 20-22, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in, and we will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious, and sat with my father on his throne. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Jesus is knocking. It's up to you to open the door. Peter told us in 2 Peter 3.9, The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed or perish but wants everyone to repent. 
Jesus is coming back soon. Are you ready? Repent of your sins and invite Jesus into your heart right now. If you don't know what to say, there's a prayer in the show notes and on my blog. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 14, and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come. Soli Deo Gloria, to God alone be the glory.